is uh, Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, and the first 14 verses. The vision of the valley of dry bones. Ezekiel 37, uh, verses 1 through 14. Hear God's word. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was this a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I look, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, your word. Uh, give us your grace in and through it, we pray. And uh, may it be that uh, you are pleased to meet with us and we with you as we look into this particular portion of Scripture and learn to trust you more in and through this, uh, your means, we pray. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. The uh, 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 old commentator, uh, William Greenhill, who was a Westminster divine, has a very fine commentary on uh, the book of Ezekiel. And uh, in his exposition of uh, chapter 37, uh, Greenhill observes uh, that although God could have directly uh, raised up uh, the people of God from their graves of death as they were in the exile, he does not do so, but he uses means. Uh, and he uses the means of Ezekiel uh, preaching and prophesying. Uh, Greenhill further observes that uh, we ought to be cautious as we uh, come to uh, this matter of God's means or Christ's means. That if you trust in the means, you become an idolater. If you trust in God, uh, ignoring the means, uh, you become presumptuous. And he uh, observes rightly, I think, uh, that you and I must trust God in his means. And he says, uh, I think interestingly enough, and uh, very strikingly, that uh, you and I must trust Christ in his means. And if we are uh, fully committed to God and to Christ in his means, that after the means, we will also be fully committed to Christ and to God. And I think he's correct in this. Uh, that you and I need to trust Christ in the use of means. And when we are uh, away from the means for a time, we will still be fully trusting Christ. And that's the idea. And uh, this is the idea that we come to in the text. Cr trust Christ in his means. Uh, of course, this is why we're together, is it not? Uh, we've come together to meet with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, in this particular text, uh, the background is uh, the exile. And uh, the people of God uh, in Babylon, in exile. There were uh, three uh, incursions of Nebuchadnezzar into the promised land to lay siege to Jerusalem. And each time Nebuchadnezzar took a group of people uh, from uh, Palestine and from Jerusalem back to Babylon. Uh, the first siege of Jerusalem took place in 605 BC. Daniel was among the first party to be taken back to Babylon. 
And then the second siege occurred in uh, 597 B.C. Ezekiel was among those who were taken back to Babylon at that time. And the final siege was in 586 when uh, Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple uh, was destroyed. And so when we enter into our text, uh, we find uh, Ezekiel in Babylon, uh, but there are people who are still uh, back in Jerusalem. There are people uh, still back in Palestine. Uh, Jeremiah is back in uh, Jerusalem. And Jeremiah is prophesying and saying uh, to the people, listen, you're going to be in captivity for uh, quite a long time. And in Jeremiah 29, uh, a letter is recorded where Jeremiah writes to the people and he says, settle down, raise families, build houses, grow crops. You're going to be there for a time. Uh, this aggravated the people, uh, not a little. And Ezekiel was... Uh, in Babylon, uh, prophesying and preaching and saying to the people that uh, Jeremiah is correct. We're going to be here for a long time. Uh, we need to realize that this is the case. And you can imagine that uh, as these words came from Jeremiah and from Ezekiel, the spirits of the people flagged. They became uh, more discouraged. And uh, it's in this context that uh, we read uh, these words of Ezekiel chapter 37 and uh, are given the record of this vision of Ezekiel. So the vision is about the, uh, the people being in captivity and uh, the people being released uh, from captivity. Uh, we see this quite plainly in the interpretation that's given in the text itself. Uh, I remember going over this in uh, a seminary with uh, some of the students, and uh, hands would shoot up. They'd say, oh no, oh no, professor, you're wrong. Uh, this is a prophecy about the resurrection and the bodily resurrection of the dead and the coming of Christ a second time in glory and the resurrection at that time. And uh, I would say to them, oh, okay, uh, a lot of the commentators uh, take this position, but read the interpretation that Ezekiel gives. Huh. <laughs> uh, quite interesting. Verses 11 and following. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost, and we are cut off. You see, there the people are, languishing in captivity in Babylon. And uh, they uh, sense that their hope is gone. They're uh, without God and without hope in this world. And why are they without God and without hope in this world? They've been cut off uh, from their homeland. They've been cut off from their place of worship. They've been cut off from the place where God promised to meet with them. And so they are languishing in uh, Babylon. And uh, it's not only that uh, they're there, uh, but the promise, of course, is that they're going to come back. Uh, therefore, uh, verse 12 says, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, 
I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, all you, uh, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have uh, spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. And so the people were to be brought back into their own land, and uh, this would be an evidence to them that the great God of heaven is indeed the God of all because of what he had done. And so uh, uh, we should be mindful of the fact that uh, this vision is about the exile and about the return of the people from uh, the exile. Now, uh, when you enter the vision, uh, the exile is portrayed as death. Go back up to verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. Behold, uh, they were very many on the surface of the valley, and uh, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord, you know. You know. And you can picture it in your mind's eye. The valley is actually a broad plain. And there are bones scattered all over this broad plain. You look north, heaps of bones. You look south, heaps of bones. You look east, heaps of bones. You look west, heaps of bones. And they're all very dry. A hundred years ago, if you would uh, drive into, well, maybe you wouldn't drive. Maybe you'd ride. A huh? uh, hundred years ago, if you'd uh, travel in western Kansas and eastern Colorado, it was very likely uh, that you'd, you'd find uh, the bodies of dead animals scattered about, uh, cattle and horses. And after they had been uh, picked over by the vultures, uh, the skeletons would be left. And in the sandy soil, the sun beating down would dry out those bones and they'd be bleached white. And even today you can go in uh, some places. Uh, my uh, father-in-law's pastures, uh, I remember going out there and you could, you could see the skull of a, of, a, of a cow that had died in the pasture, laying there bleached white. And in this case, uh, thousands and thousands of bones in the vision, scattered across uh, the landscape. And in the vision, in the vision, uh, God asks Ezekiel a question. Can these bones live? And you can imagine what's 
going through Ezekiel's mind. What do you mean, can these bones live? <laughs> well, uh, Lord, you know. <laughs> You're the ones in charge of all these things. And I suppose if, if you want these bones to live, these bones can live. And that's the scene that is before us. And the exile is like that. People sensing that they're without hope and they're without God in the world. It's as though they've been shut up in a tomb away from their homeland. And they're despondent and in despair. And if the exile is death, what is the return of the people to their homeland? The return of the people to their homeland is like being brought back to life. It's like resurrection. And uh, this is what we see in verses 4 and following. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, speak to the bones, Ezekiel. Uh, of course, this is a vision. This is a portrayal of reality. Uh, this is what visions are. Uh, you and I need to understand that this is the case. That uh, a vision is not a picture of the reality. It's a portrayal of the reality, not the reality itself. And just understanding that this is the case uh, is helpful. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and I will put breath in you, and you shall live. You shall know that I am the Lord. When revival and resurrection comes in the Spirit, you will know that I am the Lord, and I will transport you out of this grave of death in Babylon back to your homeland, back to your houses, back to your places of residence. And you will know me, says the Lord. Of course, uh, this resonates with you and me, uh, does it not, uh, from the New Testament. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are dead in trespasses and sins. That this is our natural condition. This is uh, where we stand without God and without hope in this world. We are walking dead. We are among the walking dead. Not the TV show. but the literal walking dead in this world. And then the Apostle Paul reminds you and me that although we were dead, God in His great mercy, out of the great love with which He loved us, caused us to be raised up again and to be given life with Christ Jesus. Spiritual 
resurrection. And this is what bondage and sin reminds you of and me of. When the people were in bondage in Egypt, they came out with uh, the strong arm of God. And they came out with what was called the Passover, where the blood of the Lamb was painted around the doorways of each of the people, so that when the angel of death approached and saw the blood, the people were spared. And they came out of that land. And Paul reminds us in Corinthians that Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And so that Old Testament exodus was a portrayal, a picture of redemption in Christ. And this, this coming out of Babylon was a second exodus. This coming out of exile was a second redemption of the people of God. And so uh, we ought to understand uh, that this is the case. And God always promised this kind of restoration. It's not of little consequence that this passage in Ezekiel 37 rests nestled between two other significant passages. Ezekiel 36 and verses 25 and following. Familiar texts. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Here is God promising the new birth. Restoration by spiritual regeneration and by spiritual resurrection. And of course, the scriptures here are looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the New Testament age in which we are privileged to live. But this is the context in within which we find Ezekiel 37. And the vision of the valley of dry bones. And then at the end of Ezekiel 37, there's a similar text. Verses 24 and following in Ezekiel 37. My servant David shall be king over them. Of course, uh, 
the reference to my servant David is a reference to Jesus Christ. David has long been removed from the scene. My servant David shall be king over them, and they shall have one shepherd. Yes, one shepherd, Jesus Christ. And they shall walk in my rules and be careful to observe my statutes. Uh, you hear the ring of Ezekiel 36 in those words. That the Spirit is poured out and you'll be changed and you'll walk in the ways of the Lord and the commandments of God. And they shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob. There your fathers lived and they and their children and their children's children shall dwell there forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince. And so this Old Testament picture of bondage in death and renewal by way of spiritual resurrection foreshadows the salvation you and I have the privilege of experiencing in Jesus Christ. And how is it, how is it that God is pleased to bring about this renewal? It is through the means of preaching. This is part of what's so astounding in the text. It's through the means of preaching. And so we have this vision, which is a portrayal of reality. And in the vision, what does God call Ezekiel to do? Verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy. And in verse 12, therefore prophesy. This is the command to Ezekiel. And so when we come back to verses 7 and following, what does the text tell you and me? Ezekiel speaking. Listen to his words. So I prophesy as I was commanded. What else was he to do in this circumstance? And as I prophesied, there was the sound, a sound, and behold, rattling, shuffling, shaking in the valley. And you can just uh, hear the bones beginning to rattle and to rumble all around. It's like a, a sci-fi flick almost. And so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. Uh, the language is so striking, bone to its bone. There is a reassembling of the lives of individuals who feel scattered and depressed and lonely and beat down. But here is this reassembling. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. I could see it. 
and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. And so I said, and so he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Prophesy, son of man. I didn't mention uh, to you, did I, this uh, title, son of man. What it really refers to is a reminder to Ezekiel that he's the son of Adam. That he's a dead man. That he's no better than the rest of those who are being portrayed in the valley of dry bones. And there's not one of us here that's better than another. Because without the great God of heaven, we are in one status, dead, dead. Prophesy to the breath, God says to Adam. And say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came to them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. The word breath as it's translated in uh, the English Standard Version uh, could be translated wind. Prophesy to the wind. It's the same word. And in Hebrew, it's the word ruah. Ruah. Say it. Why don't you say it with me? Ruah. Yeah. Can you feel the breath? Ruah. And that's the idea. Come breath and fill these bodies. And it's the same idea that we see in Genesis where God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And this is exactly what God did here with these bones that were raised from the grave of death. He breathed into them the breath of life. And again, how did it come about? It came about through the preaching of Ezekiel. William Perkins, an early Puritan, wrote a book that was published in 1592, a couple of years ago. It was a preaching manual, and it was called The Art of Prophesying. And he called it The Art of Prophesying because the Puritans believed and understood that the minister's work was to set forth the word of God and prophesying was preaching. And God gives the message of the preacher and to the preacher. And this is exactly what God did with Ezekiel. And so Ezekiel followed 
the principle of the preacher. And the people were changed through the preaching of the Word of God, through the means of the preaching of the Word of God. What are the outward means whereby Christ communicated to us the benefits of redemption? The outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicated to us the benefits of redemption are his ordinances, especially the word, the sacraments, and prayer. How does God ordinarily communicate to you and to me the benefits of Christ's great work on our behalf? Through the preaching of the word, through the reading of the word, through the study of the word, through the participation of the people in the sacraments, and through prayer. It's striking, isn't it? Because we often say, Prayer changes things. And I always say, oops, wait a minute. God changes things. It's not just because you utter a prayer that things are going to be changed. It's because God is pleased to use your prayers to bring about his will in this world. That's what takes place. God has means and he utilizes those means to bring about his purposes and his purposes include the changing of your life and of my life. Praise be to God that this is the case. And so one of the big lessons in this text, in this vision, in Ezekiel 37 is that God is pleased to use his means. And you and I must trust Christ in his means. How were you converted? Think back at how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Was it not through the instrumentality of someone in private or in public speaking to you about Jesus Christ from the Bible? Was that not the case? That somehow this came about? And if you're a youngster and your parents are encouraging you to learn various Bible verses. Do so. Do so. Because God uses that means to bring about new life within you. And if you're a person here tonight listening, I hope you are. If you're a person here tonight listening, God is pleased to utilize 
this simple proclamation to alter your life. And God is pleased to utilize the prayers uttered in this evening hour to bring about His purposes in your life. And when you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, trust Christ in that ordinance because Jesus Christ is pleased in and through those simple means of causing you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Him. Trust Christ in His means. Let's pray. Father, how good You are to us better than we deserve. Uh, forgive us for our ignorance. Grant to us grace as we seek Your face, even now praying to You. Uh, be pleased to come to us in Jesus Christ, by the power of Your Spirit, to graciously lift us up into heavenly portals and feed us, we pray, that we will walk with You, love You, trust You, be with us in this way and work faith and trust in us to the end that these simple means that we've been talking about are seen to be your tools for transforming the likes of us. Bless us to this end, we pray, in the good name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Amen.